Let's talk about Medi-Cal. You have a choice, and Molina makes it easy, especially when it comes to the care you need. So let's talk about you, about making your life easier, about extra help to manage your health. Let's talk about your needs now and for the future. Nobody knows Medi-Cal better than Molina. It starts with a phone call. Call 866-420-5330 or visit meetmolinaca.com. Let's talk today. Now it's time for very serious football talk with the man who met his wife on a blind date, chaperoned by his parents. They actually came along on the first date with us. That was a... No! I rode in the back seat. I was 22. The man who needs to take a minute to remember the names of all of his children. Do all of your kids have the same first letter? <laughs> no, actually. Um, let me think. Do any of them? Tucker, Mason, Cole, Isabel, and Lucas. The man who can defend you in court but will probably choose not to. I'll cop to this on a public setting right now. I am an aggressive cuddler in a consensual oh. sense. <laughs> Comma, officer. Good grief, he's a pastor too? When does this guy sleep? You will you will find that the guys are everywhere except for in his or your bed because not only does he not sleep, he's also a faithful <laughs> husband. So that's, that's important. It's Seth Kaiser of The Athletic on Almost Entirely Sports. Hello, everyone. Welcome to a Draft Week edition of Seth Kaiser of The Athletic here on Almost Entirely Sports. I'm Joshua Briscoe, Seth Kaiser on the other end of the phone. Seth, first of all, how are you right now? I am doing excellent. I am just uh, leaving work and uh, just anticipating what is promising to be the most chaotic and fun-filled draft in years. That sounds great, Seth. I'm trying to currently kind of regulate just sort of where I'm at because I have a handful of questions of things I'm excited to talk to you about today. The first one is, what is wrong with you? What happened to you, Seth? You used to stand for something. You used to have beliefs and opinions, Seth. You used to hold tight to, to, to your core values and tell the rest of the world to come with you or wait behind. And now you, you of all people, are just ready for the Chiefs to just, hey, just draft a running back in every round at this point. Who cares? What happened to you, Seth? I used to know you. Man, what a what an accurate rendition of my views. <laughs> so here's here's what I would say. I have maintained the exact same viewpoint. I go just as far as the evidence takes me and not one single step farther. And it's not my fault that the community at large in terms of discussing sports has gone beyond the evidence. I have not. So, see, my values have remained as, shall we say, strong and, and, and foundational as ever. It's the world that has moved, and I, sir, will not move. So, let's, so just to explain properly here, uh, for anyone who's, you know, wondering, I wrote about that's, Clyde Edwards-Hellier. Have you looked at – did you read that? Have you watched that guy play, Josh? Oh, I, no, I, I, like, I think he's a, a very good football player. He's an excellent football player. So here's so here's the here's the long and short of it. The the the, the entirety of my stance that has you so chagrined. I won't freak out if the Chiefs draft a running back high. It's not what I prefer, but I won't freak out. If, if it's about the it. taser bet, just say so. Just just show your hands. I, you know, I'm probably not going to do that. Well, okay, yeah, there's also a taser bet, which Josh, you got to stop doing this to yourself. <laughs> um I'll just say that from what I've heard, it's not completely out of the realm of possibility that they take a running back in the first round. I'm not saying it's likely. I'm not saying it's probable. I'm just saying that it might not be completely out of the realm of possibility. And maybe you should have. So on times, I was, did you not notice that Nate, as you were talking, was like, uh, 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 <laughs> was like trying to stop Oh, he, 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 did, he, did that, he did that whenever I went after Troy Aikman. You know, Nate's, Nate's, try, Nate's a good friend. Nate wants to keep me from, from uh, endangering myself, and, and I appreciate right. that about Nate. Uh, and and I, would, I do want to let you like talk about why Clyde Edwards-Hilaire is is so is so particularly tantalizing to you, but I, I I genuinely do want to make sure 
that Absolutely. I understand where you're coming from in, throughout some of this. Absolutely. So let's, Cause, cause, so let, let's talk football. I'm yes. a big believer in analytics. You and I joke around about it all the time. We, we dunk on people who think that you have to run the ball to win games, that kind of thing. Right. I'm a big believer in what the evidence shows. Here's what the evidence shows in that on average, over the last, oh, I don't know, 10, 20 years or so, on average, running backs don't haven't moved the needle. The average running back of an average team during an average season doesn't do much to move the needle. They'll do a little bit, but not much, particularly when compared to quarterback especially, but, you know, even wide receivers, etc. And also because... On average, there are so many talented running backs that you really can get a guy who's 90% as good, and because on average it doesn't move the needle as much, that, nine, that 10% difference just doesn't matter that much. That's the, that's the summation of running backs don't matter. A couple things. First of all, the Chiefs are not an average team, and individual situations should not have decisions made, generally speaking, generally, based on generalities, on aggregate numbers. So here's the analogy that I'm going to give before we, before we kind of crack open why I think the Chiefs are a bit of a unique situation. The, the analogy is this. I am a family law attorney, okay? I, I'm not, but in my analogy, I am. Mm-hmm. And I find out that someone has done rigorous testing and has found that when you file a motion for temporary relief in a family law case across the entire, the entire country, in the millions of cases, you, if you file a motion for temporary relief, you win the whole case, and this is very oversimplified and not to be taken as legal advice, you win the whole case 70% of the time, 75% will even say, 75% of the time, you end up with a better custodial situation when you file a motion for temporary relief early in the case. Well then I should file a motion for temporary relief in literally every case. It would be stupid not to. The numbers say it. Except I know as someone who practices law that some judges hate motions for temporary relief and will rule against you for the rest of the case because they're mad at you. Now, is that right? Probably not, but it happens. (laughs) There are also cases in which your facts are bad, and if you file a motion for temporary relief, they're going to file a counter motion, and you're going to lose. And so the Mm -hmm. individual situations are not ruled by the aggregate numbers because there's no such thing as an average case. There are, oh, this is the everything that we've taken into account, and this is the average. But that doesn't mean there's ever an average case. Everything is different. Just like every team has different scheme, Mm -hmm. every team has different opponents. Every team faces what would be best be described as noise in the aggregate. They face that like half the time during any given game. What direction a ball bounces, all these things that in the aggregate are noise. They're not predictive. You can't predict based on luck. You can't predict based on injury. You can't predict based on all these things that teams do have to face. Um, An example that maybe hits a little closer to home. After the Chiefs played the Ravens, last year, and the Ravens went for it on four, on, for their two-point conversion. I believe it was three times. They got stuffed every time, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. After the game, Analytics Twitter made very clear that that was the right decision because on average, you should eventually come ahead. Mm-hmm. And what I pointed out was it was very clear, especially with the plays that the Ravens seemed to favor running the ball to the left on these on these conversions, that the matchup they had versus Frank Clark on that side was a not good matchup, and they need to go away from that and understand that this is not an average situation. It's the situation you're in. So that, for those reasons, while aggregate numbers should be looked at and looked at strongly and, and absent anything else, sure, yeah, you make a decision that gives you the most likelihood to succeed. But there's never a situation where you're absent everything else in football. The Kansas City Chiefs are unique. They are set at quarterback. They are set at wide receiver. Now, if they want to grab another wide receiver, I am here for it. They could trade up for one, and I would think it was hilarious. I'd love it. Um, they, they are largely, although they could use some improvements on the interior line, they're largely set across the offensive line with guys they're at least comfortable with. They've got a defense that hasn't really lost any key contributors other than maybe one, and that one is arguable. That, that was an improved defense. They are largely a set 
team. And when you have a largely set team, that's when you start thinking about cherries you can add on top. And in Andy Reid's system, he has always favored a bell cow running back who you can have on the field all the time, who you're com- comfortable with in pass protection, who doesn't tip anything about the play you're going to run or anything like that. He's always favored that. I tend to trust Andy Reid's evaluation of such situations. So this is what I would say. I would prefer the Chiefs drafted and a linebacker, a cornerback, an interior offensive lineman, um, any of those three, even maybe a tight end arguably before a running back, although there aren't a lot of great tight ends in this class. Mm-hmm. There are multiple positions I would prefer. But if they take a running back and they say, we think this guy will help our offense be more consistent, hey, I'm all for it because the Chiefs are a unique team. You said very many words, Seth, and I do appreciate you for that. <laughs> <laughs> because, because this segment is now many minutes closer to being over, and, uh, you know, people love to hear the sound of your voice. So for all of those things. That's what, that's what we call a filibuster in the business. It, it felt a little filibustery. Because here's the, the one thing there that I have, all the stuff about, you know, is specific situations not being ruled by the situations you would make in aggregate is, like, logically totally sound. The thing that I would argue tooth and nail is the idea that the Chiefs are set in a variety of places and also that, that I think that your your evaluation there is is a bit single yeared, if that makes sense. The the idea that they're set in a variety of places for the twenty twenty season is a stronger case than that they are set, you know, in in the the, the long view of all of this. But even just mm-hmm. in twenty twenty I have I have Dane Brugler's draft guide up at pretty much all times. I'm always one click away from that because Nate's excellent. He's got, a, he's got the one, top 100 board and everything. And, and just b- before before talking to you today, I just sort of went through, and I was curious how many guys I could go through where I would tell myself I would rather have this guy and Damian Williams than DeAndre Swift and this guy's replacement. And I could go deep deep into this list. And, and, and I am doing some some amount of skipping, right? Because, like, Dane knows more than I do about draft prospects. And he also, like, he has running... He, like, DeAndre Swift comes in at 26 for him. And so I have to acknowledge that. But, like, we've talked about Bryce Hall. I like Bryce Hall. Probably later, probably later pick. If they took him at 32, I'd be very surprised. Seems like a late second-round pick. I'd be perfectly happy. He comes in at 88 on, on Dane mm-hmm. Brugler's big board, and if you told me right now, would you rather have DeAndre Swift and Rashad Fenton or Damian Williams and Bryce Hall, I would take door number two straight up because of all of the things that I do know to be true about running backs in aggregate and because of specific situation for the Chiefs, because I do trust Damian Williams for the things that are Chiefs specific, that that he can be back there in pass protection, that he can run really great routes out of the backfield, that he can even split out and, and run a route out of the slot if you need him to. All of those things, plus the ability that they have to add another running back later on and continue to try to find their rotation of Damian Williams's um, they're, they're not going to they're not going to have as easy a time replacing at that position as they will in many others even as the interior offensive line is a bunch of uh, low draft picks and UDFAs uh, basically across the entire interior going down the depth chart that that's a group of developmental guys that have, have typically worked out. I I can find receivers pretty deep into this. Uh, Nate has talked. Nate Taylor was on this show last night, and also you can hear on uh, Times Ours tomorrow. I'm gonna talk to Seth so much today. Um, we have a new episode of Times Ours coming out tomorrow. But uh, he's talked about. Uh, uh, I always I want to call him not his right name because I know his first name is Van, the receiver from Florida. You're not gonna be able to help me, Jefferson. are you? Jefferson, thank you. There's a political commentator named Van Jones, who I always want to call him Van Jones, and it's not him because I don't – listen, whatever you think of him as a political commentator, I don't want him catching passes. Um, but, like, you you could build me that conversation about Van Jefferson. You could talk to me about Chase Claypool if you wanted to. Those are dudes that are coming later in the draft, and I could see, especially looking years down the line – that being the better investment for the Chiefs in a way that would just have me still totally baffled if they took a, if they took a running back within the first, you know, 50 picks. Up until the end of their second round pick, if Clyde Edwards-Hilaire falls all the way down to the end of the second round, it wouldn't surprise me anymore. 
but it would still frustrate me because there are so many names across this draft where I say, man, that guy, both maybe for 2020 and certainly for the long run, I would rather have him knowing knowing that Bryce Hall, again, not one of your top ten corners in this draft, I would I would feel so much better about Bryce Hall stepping in to replace uh, Bashad Breland after next season. Like those those I still think are meaningful things, even in the argument that the Chiefs are more or less set. Right, and I think part of that people view the draft in terms of opportunity cost, right? Like mm-hmm. value stuff, right? We mm-hmm. we did this, therefore we've got to count the cost of what we didn't get. I am not a big opportunity cost guy. I take a look at what. Did this benefit the team, yes or no, right? And mm-hmm. so because of that, you know, so let's say they do take they, – let's say they take a running back with a 30-second pick. Will I be thrilled? Eh, no, because I do think they could, they could address the team differently. But at the same time, I won't despair because of the idea that it should, in this specific case, improve the team. And so the the idea of opportunity cost is an argument to be made there. I think when you're dealing with the amount of uncertainty that comes with the draft, the the argument of opportunity cost becomes a little less powerful for me because it's like, yeah, in theory that guy might help more or he might not. And so when when you're dealing with coin flips, opportunity cost becomes less powerful for me. So I do think that's the best argument to be made to avoid certain positions early. But I also think it's not as strong with the draft as it is in certain other cases, like perhaps free agency. And I also think that it still it, it just ignores the idea of improving or not improving. And so that's that's where I I again. But I you've got to be able to do that by degrees, direction. though, right? Like, I mean, the, would the Chiefs be better? Point blank, would the Chiefs be better with DeAndre Swift added to this roster and nothing else changing? Sure, yeah, I think that would be fun. Or, or Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, who's, who I will never say his name without stumbling over the Edwards bit for whatever reason. That's not the challenging part. I get scared of Hilaire. Would, would they be better with one of those guys just added to the roster? Yeah, totally. But that's also going to be the case for it'll be the case for Cesar Ruiz, the the center from Michigan. I, I, but you don't you have to account for what the opportunity cost is there to make any decision here? I don't know. Do you? I, I mean, so, I mean, to make the decision, sure. But no, my stance on this is I won't freak out. It's not that I'll think it was the correct decision. It's not that I'll say, oh, you know, you know, they should have done this, this, that, and the other thing. It's that, to me, that would be demonstrative of the idea that Andy Reid who I think at this point, you know what, I'm okay doing appeals to authority with Andy Reid. If he says this offense's ceiling will be at higher with a running back, this offense's consistency will get higher with a running back, hey, fair enough, and I'm all for it. So, again, it doesn't mean that I'll think it was necessarily the correct decision. It just means, for me, I won't be that upset. And what I'll actually be is somewhat excited to see what the result is. What's the plan here? Why did you decide to go this route? I doubt they go that route. It just wouldn't shock me as much as it does other people because I think it's so easy when you look at the aggregate to to start to view running backs as completely interchangeable, and they're not. I just think that you have to – because here's the thing. The appeal to authority thing that is fine, but we, we are doing like the predictive and evaluation thing. If you want to just say, I'm going to trust Andy Reid on his decisions, I think that's a totally reasonable place to find yourself. But it also – like I feel like we're still allowed to try to do – I feel like it's almost our, our, our job, our, almost our requirement to attempt to evaluate by our own eye and by our own knowledge before we see what the what the solution is. Because like I, I don't even know why I decided to just look at Travis Kelsey. I knew he was a third-round draft pick. Do you remember he was the first pick in the third round? It makes sense because he's had the first pick that year. But I just, I don't know, that was random. Um, but but two picks before. I literally just went to the 2013 NFL draft. I don't. I just thought, where, where was Kelsey? Third round in that draft? Let's just look. Two picks before Eddie Lacy went to the Packers. He helped mm-hmm. the Packers for a little. He made that team better. But that was... Not the right pick, <laughs> like by a by a lot. They were two picks away from Travis Kelsey. They were about ten picks away from Tyron Matthew. And I, and I know that I'm doing like all sorts of nitpicking there. Totally. I'm, and I'm and I'm, I'm saying, oh yeah, this is just where that is. But if you wanted to do that again in a larger scale with running back as well, like even uh, you know Giovanni Bernard goes in the second round of that year's draft. Um, I think I think Le'Veon Bell. Yeah, Le'Veon Bell did. He he goes to the Steelers and he was great there. He made that team better. Maybe he is the right pick, although 
would Travis Kelsey still be in Pittsburgh, making them a better passing team in, in 2019, 2020? Would Tyron Matthews still be there? I, I don't know. Keenan Allen down the line. Again, those are nitpicks to say, hey, this, this is a better pick later on. This should have been, even just changing the positional choice there would have been, I think, worthwhile in most of these cases. But we, we have to do it. Like, taking, taking Eddie Lacy, wasn't fundamentally stupid, but it cost them Travis Kelsey. I just don't. I don't but know how you talking, can. But now you're talking players, not position. And so that's where it's so difficult. With well, if you talk, if you talk position, draft. though, aren't aren't you aren't you already aren't you already forfeiting it on a, on a basis of position? Though we don't need to, We don't need to argue about running back as a positional value, right? It depends because that's where we get into the idea of specifics versus aggregate. And so if the argument is, well, you might miss out on Travis Kelsey if you don't take this tight end, well, you know, if we're careful to to not oversimplify those arguments because then it's, well, then you always have to take a cornerback, a wide receiver, or a quarterback every single pick because those are the most impactful positions. And so it's important to, to not lose sight of discussing players versus discussing positions. Because I agree with you in the general landscape of things. Like in terms of, you know, you know, Eddie Lacy also went before a bunch of tight ends that didn't do jack or squat. And so sure. that's where it becomes this, this, this issue of we want to make sure we look at positions and not players. And from a position standpoint, the argument just isn't as strong. And from a player standpoint, it can be post ad hoc. But at the time of the draft, eh, I don't know. Because I just don't know. So as far as it's being our job to analyze, I do agree with that. And so my analysis is that people tend to over-project come draft time. They also tend to try to force the aggregate onto the individual. And so I would just say while it might not be the best move they could make, that doesn't make it a terrible one. And so I'm just moving away from the extremes of it, if that makes sense. I mean, it does, but like to be honest, it does. It, it eventually starts to get kind of diluted by by not not knowing exactly where that ends up all lining up. So, like, let's make it specific. You did the film review on, on Clyde Edwards Hilaire. I got it finally. Yeah. Um, you do the film review on him. I'm proud of you. <laughs> Thank you. I said it much slower that time. Like, do you have a place where you say, okay, he could go here, and I would like that. I wouldn't just not be outraged, but I'm finding the sweet spot to say this is a place where I think he would be of value, and you can do it in – because, again, we can go player by player in all of this. It would get very boring eventually. But we can go down, you know, Dane's big board, and I can can try to explain why Xavier McKinney – the first safety off the board, but he's you know on 34 on his board. I can explain to you why I think he'd be awesome in Steve Spagnuolo's defense. I could talk about Cesar Ruiz and, and why I think he makes sense. I could go to the other to the next column and go to pick 92 and talk about Nick Harris a little bit, another center out of Washington. Go, you know what? Here's where maybe this makes sense. But again, we eventually. I'm not Mel Kuyper. Yes, and yes. You're not Todd McShay, and eventually I get bored by that. Um, so, so that's that's why I ha- I feel like we have to play that in ranges. So if you're at least going to give me a range on on a running range. back, not yes. not just not just making you not blind with fury, but with going with you going, you know what? I like that. Where would that be? I think in the particular case of this player, Clyde Edwards Hellier which if you know, like you said, if you say it slower, it's definitely easier. It is. I'm, I'm assuming we'll call difficult. him CEH or something or Clyde. Clyde is strong. If Clyde is strong, that's especially for a running back. You know, you think Clydesdale. I mean, it just it it fits very well. Okay, really quick, hold on, real real fast. I'm sorry, I asked you this question, but I'm now pulling back right now because I, you also did a Patrick Queen film review and also. Yeah. Um, you said Clyde. It reminded me of Lloyd, who is the center on that LSU team. Did you, much like I, uh, find out over the last month that LSU was actually very good last year? I did. I did discover that. Turns out they had a pretty good football team in LSU. <laughs> There's you, you so many LSU guys. A few of their guys for for the first round pick. Yeah, these are these are. Sorry, it just, it just it's just funny to. I, I imagine it's funny for people who really follow college football closely. For all of us to just go like, "Wow, Joe Burrow." Uh, the the impronounceable pass rusher whose name first and last name I'm afraid to say out loud and Patrick right. Queen and they had uh, Delpit. top center and Delpit and Christian Fulton. Um, yeah, they, I mean they, they were absurdly good. Um, and oh, they, Joe they Burrow was there also. Yeah. Receivers too. 
because they they had a great they had a great slot receiver that honestly I think might sneak into the first round. Yeah, yeah, it's a very it's a good football team. Anyway, so right, another running Jefferson. back. Anyway, so. So back to back to this particular running back. I haven't watched the other guys nearly as much. Um, I think people are kind of sleeping on Jonathan Taylor because he's got some tread on the tires. Mm-hmm. Um, but the thing is, with running backs, I mean, those guys, you're, you're planning on keeping them for one contract. Yep. So I, I don't know why people fret about that stuff. To be perfectly honest, um, so he. I think if I can if I can attempt if if I can hazard a guess, I, I think it's because lots of people aren't ready to admit that running backs need to not be retained after one contract. Like I think that's probably. Yeah. Some sort of barring barring an exceptional talent and fit who's on a pretty good deal, yes, that that that's just yeah. the truth. Um, because you see, and it, it's again, you know, to point out in the individual games and in individual situations, you can point to moments where you look at a player and say another player wouldn't have made that play, and then it becomes even though in the aggregate that one play isn't that important among millions, it's really important. In that game, and some in, in a game like football where you become, you know, a, a single out, you know, a, a single elimination thing, then the ability to be that guy who one time in 50 makes those plays becomes really important. It's kind of like the, the Chris Jones is more important than a normal interior pass rusher argument, right? Because that ability to make those exceptional plays that can tilt games one way or another. Anyway, Isn't that true everywhere, though? Backs, it's more rare yes. than a pass rusher, that's for sure. Right. So I would say in this case with Clyde, if they took him with the last pick of the second round, I I would go from well I don't I'm not thrilled with it but I don't hate it to eh, pretty okay with that and if they took him in the third round I'd be pretty thrilled with that. Um, I couldn't tell if you were done with your if you were done with your sentence or not, so I was just waiting. I didn't want to get trampled. Uh, that was very some, polite some- of you. Sometimes you take a moment and kind of collect your thoughts and then really get a second wind going. And I am, I'm always trying not to jump in at the wrong time and then it throws off our whole timing for like three straight minutes. Um, it's a very difficult thing to be sure. It is. It's a, we're, it, we're doing a, a delicate dance. So, I mean, like that, <laughs> I guess that's reasonable. You know, if they, if they, or if they trade back out of 32, right, and they get like a mid third round pick out of it. And they they take Clyde there. That's like you're like all right. That's good. That's where it should be at 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 mm-hmm. at, at seventy five. And yeah, I mean you know that 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 range is definitely probably more appropriate for a running back. I really like Clyde's fit for Reed mm-hmm. System, which again mm-hmm. Reed System is going to make a lot of guys look good. Um, right. Man, he runs real quick routes in space. Is great vision. I'm a sucker for running backs with awesome vision, and that's that's very tough for me. And so I think what he could help bring the offense would be a little bit more consistency than what we saw in 2019. Now, a big part of it in 2019 was that Mahomes was playing on a bad leg half the time. But there's still something to be said. For as much as Kareem Hunt's absence didn't hurt them as much as one would have imagined, considering he's one of the best three in the NFL, in my opinion, there were moments where you thought to yourself, man, it would have been nice to have a guy that could shrug off three tackles on that play and gain another 10 yards, right? Mm -hmm. And so Mm -hmm. those are those moments where it's, it's the cherry on top. Right? It's not, this, this is not, you don't take a running back to be foundational. You take a running back, in my opinion, if you're like, I think we can just destroy other teams offensively and this will help us do it. Hey, fair enough. If it even only makes you 5% more consistent, I'm, I'm still cool with that. Now, would I rather they like get, do something crazy and like get rugs somehow? Well, that mm-hmm. would be hilarious and I'm mm-hmm. totally here for that. I did it again. I waited again. I thought maybe you're coming back again. Uh, I thought I was too. I, okay, that, it's good that you, sometimes you feel you you fool us both. Um, yeah. Yeah. I guess and for me, cherry on top. Sure. I just I can't stop looking at some of the things defensively that are good and could be better, or that are good right now and could end up getting worse. Like. Again, the the cornerback situation. I'm thrilled that Rashad Breland is back, and I'm glad that Rashad Fenton had a nice had a nice run, and maybe maybe he ends up being uh, a real part of the secondary. But then Trivarius Ward's a restricted free agent next off season, and so that still comes back around. You could talk me into a center, probably not a guard, because um, it also directly impacts lots and lots of elements there. 
Mm-hmm. I just, I, I, I wonder, I, I feel very good about the Chiefs roster as an NFL roster, but as something that's ready for a cherry, I just think, uh, maybe, maybe that's the, the core of our, of our disagreement at that point then. Cause I right. would like to see them, I would, I would like to see either crazy fun, like a receiver or a, again, you mentioned earlier the tight end depth is not great. Um, or even a tight end like ceiling is not great. Or just just find the the safety or the corner that makes sense that can play Kendall Fuller's role, and then now Dan Sorensen isn't on the field, but but Juan Thornhill is back, or or you draft a, a linebacker that takes Sorensen off the field. Mentioned um, uh, the uh, the safety Patrick Bam, Xavier mentioned no, I mentioned Xavier McKinney earlier, oh, the safety okay. that like, could play specifically um, Sorensen's role if he ends up there. I'm think that's a side piece, but then but yes, but then you write about Patrick Queen though. I don't think we will have to fight that if he's there at 32. Um, actually, and I also don't know if you expect them to try to trade back out of 32. But if he is there, that's one of the guys that would make me think that maybe Brett Veach just uh, just texts Roger Goodell and says, "Go ahead and make the pick." Yeah, absolutely. Um, Patrick Queen is one guy which you know people. Well, he's not going to be there. He might. He might not. It just depends on how teams view a couple of other players in the draft. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, uh, Bond out of Wisconsin, I think it is. Yeah. Yeah, people view him as just an edge rusher and not like a Kyle Van Noy type because he dropped mm-hmm. into coverage quite a bit, too. And a lot of people that I've talked to think that he might have the ability to be more of a linebacker but who then lines up as a pass rusher. That doesn't really fit a lot of what Spagnolo does, frankly. Mm-hmm. You know, he wants his defensive ends to be huge. So, but other teams and other systems, you know, various types of 34s, they might view him as more that uh, that linebacker role that Von Miller played for a little while. And so that could be a team that, that looking for a linebacker, they go that route. Um, Kenneth Murray. Um, he might be one where, you know, that, that's more of an interchangeable one, right? If yeah. there's a couple teams that like him better than Patrick Queen, and if the team that drafts Isaiah Simmons is a, is a team that views him as a linebacker rather than a safety, I don't know how many teams you're going to have that are looking to go linebacker in the first round, right? Mm-hmm. You've got at least four or five tackles that are going. You've got probably four quarterbacks that are going. You've got probably four or five wide receivers, right? I mean, this is where the numbers start to play in your favor with the linebacker thing. You know, edge rusher, interior lineman. It's not hard to see Queen if the inside linebacker stuff falls into place. Let's say a team that's inside linebacker needy takes Simmons. And then the other team likes Murray better in the early 20s. Mm-hmm. Now, what if he drops to 25, 26, 27? That's when you start thinking, well, this is a guy we're trading up for because I think Patrick Queen is a guy who could fill a lot of needs that the defense arguably has that could kind of fill in the gaps where they're good defense, but they could be much better. And so I, I do want to let you just talk about him. What what you mean by that specifically? I do fear a little bit sure. that we're gonna that we're gonna spend, you know, five more minutes talking about a guy that's gonna get drafted like twenty four or whatever. And go, oh, well, that was a waste of time. But hey, doesn't mean listen. Just just because he might end up going somewhere else doesn't mean you can't fall in love for for two days from afar. So yeah, explain yep. explain why Queen makes so much sense in Spags' defense. It's just just keep in mind it's all a waste of time, buddy. <laughs> right, that's all of this. The, the entire empire. Like, what are we doing? Oh, it all is. Yeah, all of this is a massive waste of our time. And I'm here for it because those things are important. Um, what Patrick Queen does well, he's extremely fluid in coverage. Excellent coverage defender. Can not only defend running backs, virtually any running back, out of the backfield. Um, basically anyone but Christian McCaffrey, and that's not a guy that you should ever put a linebacker on. I'm yeah. comfortable with Queen, and even with McCaffrey, it depends on the route. He's also a guy who can who can cover tight ends. Basically anyone but Travis Kelsey, I'd put him out there on because he's got great speed, great fluidity. He also seems to have a pretty decent understanding of his own concepts. Uh, he gets depth very quickly. Basically can do all the things that the Chiefs need in a will linebacker that they haven't had for a while. And so – by having him out there, he's also the difference between him and maybe some other guys that can play those roles is that he's pretty solid against the run as well. He's able to he's able to pursue very well. Uh, he tackles well. He, he generally keys the run well. He, he's not perfect in that area. Sometimes he'll take the bait on fakes, etc. But by and large, he's a real linebacker in addition to being able to cover not just a fast guy that you try to plug in at linebacker, right? There's a yeah. big difference. Yeah. So by 
by having Queen, it gives you a genuine will linebacker to where in nickel and dime sets, you don't need to keep an extra safety on the field, and you're not suddenly so dependent on going three deep at safety. So it kind of it keeps you stronger against the run in those situations and allows you to keep your best personnel on the field rather than maybe having to stretch to get that third safety because you just don't trust anyone else to defend the pass. So with all of that being laid out, I'm asking you now to do a prediction in a thing that is meaningless and all of all of that excellent the, the groundwork that we've laid down. Yes, what, vanity what of you, vanities, it all is. Yes, it, it, listen, if you, if you haven't accepted that yet, I mean, you'll get there. <laughs> but if, if I give you sort of just this full outlook, I mean, I, I'm not asking, I don't want to ask you to, to predict things, but I'm curious as to what you expect or what you're looking for in terms of what they do at 32, what, what some of those ideal situations might be, and then what mm-hmm. you think about some of the stuff that Brett Beach just said, you know, about, about pockets later in the draft and, and where else you think they might be looking. Sure. Um, the I can't do a prediction because this is the most unpredictable it's ever been, even more so than the last couple of years after Mahomes, because they were so clearly deficient in certain areas that you knew they were going to try to get help in certain areas, right? Whereas now it, it, there are a lot of directions they could go that it, it would kind of make sense. And so I think if I were to if I were a betting man, I I would bet that they're going to draft another weapon for Patrick Mahomes or an offensive lineman in the first round. Yeah, in the first round, I think that's the first direction they go. And then after that, I think it's pure chaos and depends on what everyone else does. I think they definitely do want to still address cornerback. But for some reason, I've just got this feeling that that's not the way they go. Um, And and it would be interesting to me if they were able to snag Hall. Uh, And I really hope they do. I've I've loved his tape from the time I was looking at Juan Thornhill's tape. That's he's a rare college prospect I knew something about because (laughs) when I was watching Thornhill's stuff after they drafted him, I thought to myself, "Who is 34? He's awesome." And the fact that medical stuff and people maybe overthinking a little bit too much has had him fall a bit because he's supposedly a little more scheme specific than some other guys. That could be perfect for the Chiefs to snag him at maybe 64 or something like that. Well, uh, I do look forward to experiencing the chaos, and I tell everyone now that you can appreciate even more of the chaos because last week's Times Ours was ridiculous. Last night's Ooh. conversation with Nate Taylor, I learned a lot about Nate that I'm not sure you know, Seth. That was that was a lot, and so you can check out the next episode of Times Ours tomorrow morning up on The Athletic with Seth. Nate and myself. Plus, you can read Seth's film review on Patrick Queen and Clyde Edwards Hilaire. Got it in one up on The Athletic right now. Seth, thank you for having us. Hey, you know what? I wouldn't have had it with anyone else. (laughs) I don't know what that means. Let's take a break. This is Almost Entirely Sports with Joshua Briscoe. Where it sounds like I said the phrase, Patrick Mahomes is Aaron Rodgers. I actually said that Patrick Mahomes is better than Aaron Rodgers. On Sports Radio 810 WHB. Thanks again to Seth Kaiser for joining us as he does every single Tuesday. A new episode of Time Czars with myself and him and Nate Taylor will be out on The Athletic tomorrow. Or wherever you get your podcasts. As if you hadn't gotten enough of them this week. If you missed any of it, yesterday's show was killer with uh, Matt Derrick and Nate Taylor. We get Seth today. Tomorrow... NFL Draft Preview Show right here on Sports Radio 810. We've got a nonsense thing we'll get to at the end. I also can't stop tweeting about Tony Gonzalez during commercial breaks with angry people on Twitter. I just can't do it. If you if you care, go look at my tweets. And if you're really hurt about it, you can respond, and that's fine. I might not respond back. It's just such a weird... I, I, I genuinely don't totally understand it, but it's fine. I'm letting it go. And I am I am turning now to someone that I know I'm not going to have a huge army defending in my uh, in my mentions. Colin Coward did a dumb thing. Which could be the end of the segment. <laughs> we could just end the show. At uh, The Herd on Twitter tweeted out this graphic, Colin's top 10 NFL players. 
I'm just going to go 1 to 10. I'm just going to read them all 1 to 10, and then we'll talk about it. Russell Wilson, Christian McCaffrey, Aaron Donald, Patrick Mahomes, George Kittle, Jamal Adams, Mike Evans, Lamar Jackson, Ezekiel Elliott, Tom Brady. I mean, he has a running back at nine who, like, tremendously has has shown his decline. He has a, a quarterback at ten that is, speaking of showing decline, Jamal Adams at six is silly. He's not saying valuable, just saying best. Tom Brady, Tom Brady and, and Ezekiel Elliott are not the ninth and tenth best players in the sport. If you want to make an argument for Russell Wilson, Christian McCaffrey, Aaron Donald, all being top five, cool with it. To not have Patrick Mahomes at least at two, if you want to talk about Russell Wilson, I think you're showing yourself to be a fool that way. But I obviously, I think the right order. I, I, I have not actually built this out myself, so I don't really want to follow suit terribly here. But if you if you gave me Patrick Mahomes, Russell Wilson, Aaron Donald, one, two, three, I'd have a really hard time being furious with any of those things. Rest of it's garbage. Tyron Matthew responded with four laughing emojis to that tweet. The thing that I the reason that I want to talk about it though is not because that's dumb and I think Patrick Mahomes is the best player in football. Because that's an easy thing that I can talk about on this show whenever I want. I don't have to ask for permission anywhere in the building. Say, hey, can I talk about uh, can I talk about Patrick Mahomes tonight? Cool, awesome. Just wanted to check. That's always on the table. The reason that I wanted to talk about this is because someone responded with the effect of like, man, that's epic trolling by Cowherd. Not like even like complimenting him. Just be like, man, what a troll. Just be just trolling right now. And I don't even want to give him credit for that, honestly. Like, I don't really care, first of all. I'm not I, – I, I'll talk about it now. And unlike a lot of people who are currently tweeting me about Tony Gonzalez um, bleeping on the Chiefs fan base, I, I will not go lay in bed tonight and go, man, I can't believe Colin Cowherd had Mahomes at four. Three? I've already forgotten. Doesn't matter. Yeah, four. I, I am not going to lose a moment of sleep because of it. But also, I don't think it really is like, oh, but you're talking about a Josh. He got what you wanted. He got what you wanted. And I don't even think that's true. I am I am 0% more likely to listen to his radio show. This doesn't make me think, ooh, hot takes. Let me tune in. And I, I generally continue to think less and less of his football opinions just because he keeps doing stuff like this. I, I I don't – if it's all about getting Twitter responses and, like, growing may, – maybe you get a few Twitter followers, you can do that. I just think that's a pretty weak strategy that, that feels – it feels dumb and cheap and, 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 frankly, like, just intellectually dishonest in a way that – I'm not even saying that Cowherd is any of those things. I don't know. Maybe he is. Maybe he's running the Skip Bayless con. There was a time in my life when I when I thought more highly of Colin Cowherd than that. Now I just don't think of Colin Cowherd terribly often. But the the one the one thing that I know this is a fool's errand, and I also know that I'm going to say this, and someone is going to be flabbergasted by me as the messenger here. But don't let media dumb you into paying attention. Like especially sports media, like entertainment media or whatever. I'm not look. We can talk about uh, political television or cable news or whatever. We can do that later. Not on this show, probably. Catch me at you know at a restaurant after after social distancing. But specifically in sports media, like don't we're kind of done with Skip, right? Like I kind of feel like we're 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 sort of done tuning in for that because we all we all get it. We all know that it's pro wrestling without any of the actual advantages. Like, let let sports media smart you into paying attention. And again, I know that this show is a weird thing to make that point with. But at the very least, it's it's honest. Like, I, I mean, I think we're Chiefs smart. And whenever we care to be sports smart, I think we're sports smart. Um... 
I, I mean, I think we're generally smart in most instances, and also very humble. But, like, sometimes the show is very dumb. Like, in a minute, we're going to talk about superheroes to end the show. That's not me smarting you into listening. It's me trying to entertain you into listening, and me also just doing the thing that I want to do. It bums me out to think that Colin Cowherd had a had a meeting this morning with his producers. I mean, what if we ranked players but just had, like, Mahomes 4... And we'll put Ezekiel Elliott on there. You can put Brady at, like, 10. Just have him on the list. Get a little Buccaneers logo. I bet we'll get some shares on that. And the coward's went, yeah, okay, that's fine. And look, I, he makes a ton of money. And maybe if you told me to do that and I'd also make a ton of money, then I'd be like, yeah, all right, fine. I don't – I wouldn't enjoy it, though. And I just don't – I couldn't see doing that for very long, if doing that at all. And I just – it just doesn't seem – sustainable either like either as a person or as a brand or as content but also that's that's where a lot of my general distaste of a lot of argument tv and then some sports radio can come from like i don't genuinely dislike good sports radio and i i don't mean like just my my favorite sports radio that occasionally is sports by. I mean, like, good sports radio I really appreciate and have always enjoyed. This is the type of thing that just just makes me want to throw the whole medium away and just reboot. Just turn it off and turn it back on again. Let's get a hard reboot and just see if we can't do this smarter while also having fun and bring people out of the woodwork, bring them back to the medium, as opposed to just going, top ten players in the NFL ranked in a way that we think is going to get us social media clicks. I don't know. It just bumps me out. I'm not even really trying to change anyone's mind on this one. I will try to change your mind on, uh... On the Tony Gonzalez thing. That's it. Rudy, have you uh, have you looked at the uh, the Avengers fifteen dollar game here? Yes, I have, and I have essentially changed it three times. I think I finally settled on a team. This is very okay, important very to me, and my I I thought I had a great team the first time around, and then I realized my logic is flawed. Oh wow! Okay, I did not put quite that much thought into it, but I'm glad that you did. I think it'll make it better. Uh, it is uh, from Entertainment Weekly at uh, at EW on Twitter. I've retweeted it with my answer. Also, Matt Derrick has chimed in um, with his with his four. He has made the point that everyone at the one dollar level is more valuable than anyone at the two dollar level. I slightly disagree with it. I I think there are definitely some insane uh, valuations there. The other thing is, did you did you inherently did you like did you immediately just go for five? Or are you trying to make a bigger team if you can? Um, I I went with five. That's typically when I see these. That's kind of. I I think the, I did the same thing. I think you're supposed to pick five, and if you have money left over, you just have money left over. Even though the Avengers were technically six, you know, I think it's it's meant to be five. I did the same thing, but I, I my original configuration, I did have a dollar left, and I would have happily just added same. you know Falcon to my team or whatever. I I, I ultimately end up spending all fifteen, but my initial uh, setup was uh, was fourteen. All right, so give me your fifteen dollar uh, Avenger team here. Okay, so. I started off, and, and this is like, I feel like I have to mention this because it was, it, it, it just really shows the flawed logic. I started off with both Iron Man and uh, Spider Man. Then I realized if you have Spidey out there, you're not getting the best of Tony Stark. He's, his mind wow. is on trying to keep the kids safe. Yeah. And so it was really hard for me because Iron Man and Spider Man are my two favorite. And yeah. I knew I couldn't go with both of them because yeah. the Spider-Man two of them together, less. the two of them together. So I, I initially, this, my second team had Spider-Man, but my third team, I ended up with Iron Man at $5. <laughs> Do you want me to go through the whole thing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because um, then for $4, I went with Doctor Strange. He's got yeah. an Infinity Stone. Like, yeah. that, there's power there. Sure. Uh, Hawkeye, Hawkeye on the $4 list is legit laugh out loud funny. <laughs> it is. I like Hawkeye, but, like, come on. Like, we... we it's no, ridiculous. no bro powers. Um, ridiculous. Then I went with... Star- also, Black Widow at $5 is insane. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, go ahead. I'm going to make the most useless no, team later. You're go fine. Ahead. And then I went with a Star-Lord at $3 because he's half of the creation of the universe. Mm-hmm. You know, his dad created everything, and he's mm-hmm. and he, he's part of that. And, I, you know, okay. I, like, I like a little bit of a 
you know, uh, sarcasm. Then for two dollars, I have Scarlet Witch because again, her yeah. power comes from an Infinity Stone. Great value. And at one dollar, Vision because again, power comes from an Infinity Stone. Now yeah. shows you know he's not perfect. He can be beat, but yeah. like there's great, there's great there's Infinity Stones there. So what I went with my my five is Iron Man and Thor, two five dollar players. I like it. And then Vision and Scarlet Witch. Both at one dollar, and uh, and I had did I have two dollars remaining. Oh, I had three dollars remaining. Is that right? I did the math wrong. Yeah, five, ten, thirteen. No, $2 sorry, Scarlet Witch is two. No, no, no yes. I had two dollars remaining. So, so then I went remaining. rocket. I went rocket after that. It's not a bad second choice. I mean, he is a weapons expert. And, yeah, and so, like tinkerer extraordinaire, which can come in handy. So yeah, so my my five is Iron Man, Thor, Vision, Rocket, Scarlet Witch. Um, you could have spent your $15. Listen to this. Here, here's what we got to figure this out. Black Widow, Hawkeye. Wasp. Wasp gets you to 12. Do we have time to run Wasp? <laughs> That's pretty That's good. That's a joke for this demographic. Black Widow, Hawkeye, Wasp. Happy. Who's happy, not actually an Avenger. Happy and Quicksilver? Falcon, who would you have as your... I mean, I don't know who Quicksilver is. So I'm a... di He died. He was an X-Men, I think. Okay, I, I don't... Was he in, though, any of the movies? Yeah, because he, he's the little fast boy that got, like, I don't know, oh, shot in yes, fast yes, yes. speed or something. Uh, Scarlet Witch is a twin. That's right. Sure. You could have... You, your team could be with all $15. He's, I, I, he's at least super fast. So I'll go with Falcon because he technically doesn't have a power. You could go Black Widow, Hawkeye, Wasp, Happy, Falcon, and spend your $15. Or Groot instead of Wasp, which honestly, the Groot in the thumbnail is a baby. I'm just, I'm just saying. But he's so cute. It is so cute. Tomorrow, we will be back for an NFL draft preview show from 7 to 10 on these very airwaves. We won't have the imaging of AES, but we'll have the soul of it, because it'll be me and Rudy in the home stretch, not the show, but the actual space, getting you ready for the NFL Draft right here on your home for the NFL Draft, Sports Radio 810 WHB. We'll talk to you tomorrow at 7. Bring your notebooks. Until then, bye, Mom. What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders. From ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.